the blast from our past network. He came to America to escape his past. You will always be a ninja. No, his wife. His children. His home and his honor must be defended. If you just want protection, why don't you go hire yourself a private detective? No ordinary man could do it alone. But this is no ordinary man. Pray for death. This has gone far enough. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back. This is the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. If you've been following along this year, you know it's ninja time again. Dean, I'll briefly say hello to you. Hello. Hello, Tim. Uh, and it's going to be brief, Dean, because we Is have that a special... brief enough? That was just great. That was totally okay, cool. fine. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I thought you were going to jump right to the ending for a second. But I you, almost did. I did wanted to this time. Yeah. Bringing Cor... Oh. Oh. So, spoiler. <laughs> uh, well, you spoiled something anyways. Hey. I already did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm keeping it brief with you because we have a special guest joining us today. I'd like to welcome back the third ninja in our triad, Corey Stevenson. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on here. I, I appreciate it. I'm going to do some ninja moves. So if I'm the, if I'm the third member, I got to keep my skills honed and sharp. Yes. Well, yes, that leads me into my very first question. Uh, Corey, what degree of ninja are you? Because Dean is orange, I'm three, and Tony, who joined on Ninja Scroll, is turtle four. He was turtle, but he got upgraded by uh, the magical sword we have here. So he's turtle four. So what degree of ninja are you, Corey? Well, the funny thing is I actually used to take ninjutsu uh, back oh, in like middle school and whatnot. And uh, I never made it past like white belt or whatever. I think I did it for like a year and it was fun. But I had like the ninja booties and everything. It was really cool. I loved them. But I think I loved my outfit more than I actually loved that. So I'll go with, you know what? I'm a Robo Ninja White. How about that? I like nice. it. I like it. Uh, you're yeah. the real deal. We're just yeah, we're, he's we're the real posers. Deal. <laughs> we didn't know that you're yeah. a real ninja. We, I didn't great. know we were getting a real ninja on the no, show today. I had this no is idea. amazing. Yeah. I had no idea. Amazing. Sad but true. <laughs> what, a, what a great guest poll, Tim. That was <laughs> really good job. That, good uh, job. We lucked out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this week we're covering a movie called Pray for Death. Now, this was our listener choice episode for the year, and it was, in fact, submitted by you, Corey. <laughs> by this <laughs> listener right here. <laughs> this listener right here. So we thought, why not invite you on to join for this one? So here you are. This is awesome. Now, Thanks, man. Yeah. I had never heard of this movie before. Dean, I'm assuming you had never heard of this movie? No way. Okay. Uh, so, Corey, out of all the ninja movies out there, tell us why you chose Pray for Death. Well... I think I had a suspicion you guys were already going to do Ninja 3 The Domination, and that's my favorite one. Um, I picked this one because 
in the the circles, you know, that we all run in um, on Instagram and everything like that, and as far as like '80s nostalgia ninja movies go, this one is very it's ranked very high and considered you know one of the better of the ninja exploitation films and whatnot and it has shokasugi in it who we saw in ninja 3 the domination he's actually wearing the same sweater he wore in ninja 3 the domination as well um but i i had not seen it until like probably a couple years ago um i was just I kind of scroll through Amazon, look through like Arrow Blu-rays and whatnot, and this was like eight dollars for, and I was like, for oh, Arrow Blu-ray, amazing. Sure, why, yeah. why not? So I bought it sight unseen, and I realized I don't think I'd ever seen it as a kid, although I very much remembered the uh, the cover for it. Um, so that was my first time watching it, and I very much enjoyed it. But kind of now listening to your all's takes on things and, and whatnot, I, I really think you all have much more of a deeper understanding of ninja movies than I ever have and probably ever will. Um, and I'm curious to see now where this one actually lands. So, I, so that's all that being said is I don't have great nostalgia for this, but I also don't have great nostalgia for ninja movies, to be honest with you. Uh, so, you know, I thought this one would be fun. And uh, yeah, it was it was fun revisiting for sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I also don't have any nostalgia for ninja movies. Like when I would go to the uh, the movie rental store, I wasn't very adventurous as a kid. It was like I'm just doing the go tos that I know are going to be good, and I didn't really stray from that. So this this might have even been there, but it would have been in a section that I was not even visiting. So yeah, uh, I did find a quote that resonated with me about this movie, and that was. Pray for Death isn't merely a good ninja film. It's a good film, period. So after watching it and reading that, I was like, you know what? That is really true because this isn't your typical ninja movie. This isn't what you might think of when you think, hey, let's rent a cool, fun ninja movie. This is like this is like a serious movie. Like they do a really good job of kind of creating a world for you and setting up a family and um, kind of like really breaking this family apart in bad ways uh, almost before you get to any of the ninja work. So they they really took their time and effort to make a good movie, not just uh, something that has cool ninja shit in it. Yeah, no, I think it's like Death Wish um, or Vigilante. It's like one of these, you know, exploitation films from the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, it, it feels like that, but just with a, like a ninja spin to it. And I do, I find that intriguing as well. Cause it's, it feels, doesn't feel like a ninja movie, but it is a ninja movie and kind of in the best of both worlds, you know? Yep. Yeah. Like there definitely was no shortage of cool ninja stuff that you want to see, uh, they just kind of arranged it in a way that made for a really interesting movie. I will say locations takes a hit on, on as far as the, uh, <laughs> the the points go. It's a rough one because <laughs> it's either it's either Houston, Texas, or a or a mannequin like <laughs> location or something like a mannequin graveyard. Well, we'll get there. I don't know. I'm not I'm not hating on it too much. I'm not hating. Wow. On it. We'll wow. get there. We'll get there. Uh, well, released in 1985 with a budget of $5 million, the film grossed close to 10, then went on to be a successful, uh, like VHS, you know, movie on the home video market. So I'd say this movie did quite well. And Corey, as you mentioned, it stars Shokasugi, who was a staple in 80s ninja movies. 
Uh, we did see him in Ninja 3, The Domination. I had said I wasn't very impressed with him in that movie. I'm happy to report I found him much better in this one. And he actually stars in this movie with his two real-life sons, which I thought was really mm. neat. Cool. Um, and their names in the movie are their middle names in real life. So I thought that's, cool. that's a really neat, like... Fact, and I know, I know, um, show went on to star with one of his sons and in some other movies as well when he got a little bit older. But I just thought that was really cool after watching the movie, kind of like reading that fact. It's that's a fun thing. We've also mentioned the game Tenchu Stealth Assassin before on the show. Kasugi did the motion capture of the main character of that game. Yeah, so it's another neat, neat factoid. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. a game they could uh, easily upgrade one of these days. Oh, man. Cause, man, those those PS one games just they look terrible now. You you yeah. just yeah. can't play them. There's not enough. Yeah. There's not enough polygons in them. <laughs> They're just really <laughs> weird. There's like, I went back to look at that game and the the rooms were these giant open spaces. They were far too big, and yeah, right. it didn't make sense. And uh, I don't. It's, there's one. But guy, at the time, <laughs> I, I played the hell out of them. Oh, I mean, I loved that game. It was oh, such sure. a good game yeah. at the time. Gra- graphics yeah. and gameplay blew my fucking mind at the time. And now yeah. I'm just like, wow, that is, that's a steaming pile. Uh, this movie was directed by Gordon Hessler, who uh, hasn't done a lot of things I recognized. Uh, the only thing I really noticed was the golden voyage of Sinbad. Mm, okay. It's written yeah. by James Booth. Oh, sorry, Corey, did you want to jump in there? I had nothing to say. I, I recognize Scream and Scream again, uh, but I've never seen it. So that okay. this is probably the worst 30 seconds of radio ever. <laughs> <laughs> probably not, but it's okay. Uh, written by James Booth, who plays uh, the main bad guy, Limehouse, in this movie. And yeah. he also wrote American Ninja 2, which we covered. Oh, yeah. wow. I didn't okay. realize he was play, he played Limehouse. I thought he did a fantastic job as Limehouse, as being a, a very believable <laughs> villain yep. that Akira would have to fight. <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt. But believable that he could hold his own in a fight? Yeah. Yeah. It was, okay. Dean, okay. was that a question yeah. mark, Dean? Was that, that was a question mark? mark. It was a question mark. Oh. I, I think so. I think we'll talk okay. about it uh, in the climax. But yeah, I, I think okay. so. I, I think thought he's he was a like a. a I thought he was a piece of shit bad guy, you know, like I thought he was a good bad guy, but I wasn't I wasn't totally sold on on the ending fight. Well, okay. I don't know if I'm sold on the ending fight, but I, I, I was definitely it was definitely believable that that could that could take place. They built it yeah. up. They uh, built it up enough that it was believable that this guy. Uh, yeah, like, sure. I mean, uh, not to get into it too much here, but like in the movie, they kind of allude a little bit to the fact that Shokasugi is maybe a little bit more than a mere man, right? He He's maybe more powerful than a mere man. Mm. And I got the same yeah. vibe out of this guy. This guy's sort of his equal. Okay. He, yes, he's just a right. human, but maybe he's like, he's got a little bit more power. Not not like Kingpin, but, you know, in a way, the way that Kingpin is. Right, yeah. okay. Now there is a 1966 PC game titled Pray for Death. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the movie but I thought I'd let everybody know to stay away from it because it, <laughs> cool. it's terrible. Cool. Uh, Corey, that might have been the worst 30 seconds in radio. <laughs> radio ever. 
All right, so our synopsis here. After a peace-loving Japanese immigrant and his family become victims of a crime syndicate, a master ninja emerges. Very, very sweet and simple. Yeah. So to start this movie off, I actually really like the opening credits scene. Uh, I'm not huge on the song that they chose. Uh, nor- <laughs> I, I love that song. You love I love that it. song. Back, I yeah, back it. to the shadows. It was so <laughs> so. The music is so synth wavy, but then the the vocals are so '80s pop trash. I just I loved it. I immediately went to Spotify to try to find it. It's it's not on there. Uh, it's, I think it's a great song. I love that this movie's book ended with it. Okay, to, yeah. e- to each their own. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I agree. I like really loved the song. I really loved a lot of the music in the entire movie. Um, I'm actually sitting over here. I, I did not totally love the movie, so I'm sitting over here trying to figure out like how to strategically approach this. Oh, and, interesting! Um, music I loved, <laughs> so I'm hopping in here for music because I absolutely love the music in the movie. It started off great for me. It ends off great for me. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm huge on the music. Okay, well, it's very much like Bloodsport, and I wasn't a fan of that. Right. Um, yeah. Soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I know you were Dean, so that would make yeah. sense that you liked this and I didn't. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it reminded me, these opening credits reminded me in a small way of the way that they do the James Bond opening credits. Like if if uh, Shokasugi was a black silhouette, instead of being able to see him, it would have very much been just like that. Because he's just like doing sword techniques in front of this like vibrantly colored background. And I thought it was great. It's just a great kickoff for me. Yeah. yeah. No, I got James Bond vibes with it as well. I, I was digging where, where they were going with it. I kind of wish there was some kind of other visual in the movie that kind of was like that but even the the end credits don't have the same visual it's kind of just locked into that opening um which i guess is makes it even more james bond-esque i guess Mm -hmm. Uh, i also loved the opening scene in the movie where we get some immediate ninja action we see a group of gray ninja grab a woman in the forest and there's a black ninja there to fight back and stop them Good fighting. Um, it's a lot of sword play, but there's no fancy tricks. Like there's no wires. There's no special effects. It's just these guys fighting, you know, in these choreographed fights. Um, the black ninja ends up killing all of the gray ninja, then kills a special ninja wearing a mask. It looks like the leader of this group. Then we see that this is just a movie on TV that Shokasugi's kids are watching. It's called the Black Ninja. And they make this funny comment that the Black Ninja looks like dad. Right. Which is funny because it's Shokasugi playing the Black Ninja in that movie that they're watching. So, yeah, of course, it looks like dad. Uh, Just a really fun little thing there. So 
yeah, what did you guys think of that opening? Uh, yeah, great opening. Uh, absolutely love it. Uh, I it is, So it's opening on the fighting. I'm liking the fighting. I'm thinking to myself, you know, the only thing that would make this better is if I could, like, see some blood splatter, see some slashes. Still good stuff, though. But I'm just, like, taking note of, like, okay, yeah, they're not really showing me a knife or, like, a sword going into someone. But fun stuff. One guy taking on a bunch of ninjas. And then, like, cutting away to kids watching it. Uh, just a great trick. Uh, totally worked on me. I, uh, I, really, I really like when... I'm sort of taken off guard like that, especially to start the movie. So I think I, I think I know what's going on. I'm trying to follow. I'm trying to keep up with what the storyline is. It's like, ah, oh, it's just these kids watching a movie. That's fun. I'm totally on board. I love it. Yeah. 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 I felt the same as Dean. Um, and, and it's kind of, you know, I think, I think this is going to kind of set the groundwork as to what the level of violence is that we're going to see. Um, I would actually have preferred maybe the violence here to be not as extreme. And then in the quote unquote real world, the violence would have been maybe more extreme and, you know, kind of doesn't play out like that. I think you, this is kind of the level of violence that, that you can expect from the movie. Um, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination because there is still some gore, but it's not like head lopping off kind of gore. But then it kind of goes in a weird and I'm kind of because I'm kind of just addressing tone right now for the movie because this sort of sets the tone. But then it goes really dark in that the end of the second act and everything with with, you know, we'll get to it. But I'm like, wow, that goes a little bit darker than I think the tone here it was appropriate for. But we'll we'll discuss that then. Yeah, yeah I, I just want to jump in and say that uh, that that's a good point Corey makes with like if the movie we were watching uh, was this level of violence and then the violence we actually saw later in, in the movie was more. That would make a lot of sense because it is talked about in this movie how violent, you know, America is. So it would have been really cool if like that movie we're watching at the beginning isn't as violent as what we actually see. That would have, that would have been nice. But they yeah, what, what Corey's saying, they didn't really go with that. It's just kind of the same level the entire movie. A lot, a lot of throwing mm. stars into the forehead is yeah. a very, it's a staple of this movie. Like, I'll agree and disagree. Like, this is the type of movie where we're not getting heads popping off. There is not blood spraying anywhere. You're not seeing a sword really go through anybody. But I would say the level of violence definitely scales up once you get into the bad guy and the types of things that he's doing. I'd, I'd say yeah. the movie becomes very, very sure. graphic and disturbing. So in, in that way... I think it yeah. does progress quite, you know, quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. That's that. Yeah. The darkness that Corey's talking about. That's how the it tone. does get darker than the movie they're watching. Yeah. And that tone, it's all based around that one character, like this main villain Limehouse. Like he's the yeah. only person in the movie who takes that tone to like the darkest places you can imagine. If he wasn't in there, the movie obviously would have more of like a playful ninja tone, but they insert him and it's a very, very... Like, it's a very dramatic, <laughs> like, bad guy villain who's doing some real terrible things. And, like, you can tell that the the director wants you to feel uncomfortable with what this guy's doing because I sure did several times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing the movie does quite well here is it starts developing um, the character of Sho Kasugi and his family we get to see his kids are taking karate classes. The family's eating supper together. Then after supper, you know, the kids are like 
using their karate on dad and he's pretending to get hit and falling over, um, you know, just being really loving and playful with them. And then we see show having a, a heart to heart with his wife. And he says that he got a promotion at work, but he's always wanted to open his own business. And what if he did that instead? And then, you know, the wife is, is saying, well, why don't we go to America? You know, the business would be more successful there. Uh, let, let's do that. So I thought they did a great job of um, showing us how tight of a unit this this family was, this husband, wife, and two children. Yeah, I almost kind of forgot what kind of movie we were watching because I became so invested in sort of their storyline and, you know, their wants and needs and as a family what they're doing. And, a lot, you know, a lot of times kids can be annoying in movies. I thought his two kids did a fine job. I, I found them likable. I kind of I was connected to the family and which is, of course, very important for yeah. how things are going to play out. And, you know, the, the filmmakers, I think, do a really good job of getting you on the side of the, the Saitos, the Saitos, I think their last name was. Yeah. Um, Akira and his family. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I thought they did a great job setting this, this groundwork for them. Definitely, yeah. So they decide to go to America, but before they do, we get a fun scene with uh, Show. I'm just calling him Show. Corey, you're calling, calling him by his movie name, which is appropriate, but I'm calling him Show. I'll, I'll re- <laughs> I can revert to Show. <laughs> uh, I can pivot. <laughs> it's fine. I could also pivot, but whatever. It's fine. We're going to pivot. We're going to go. We're both going to pivot. <laughs> cross the streams. <laughs> Don't cross the streams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we see Show in a temple. A red ninja comes in and starts stealing gold and show, you know, tells him to stop. The two of them start fighting show kills the red ninja sort of by accident. And when the ninja is unmasked, it turns out to be his brother. Uh, whoops. You say kill. <laughs> he didn't kill his brother. His brother killed himself. Sort of. With Tom yeah, Foolery. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. He tripped on a sword and fell into another sword. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's no, no ninja, but he did look cool. That outfit looked really cool. I liked it a lot. I wish we saw, like, well, show's outfit later is going to be awesome. Yeah. But this one was a, a close second. Yeah, it was a, yeah. It was a fun yeah, fight I, scene. It was a fun fight scene. I, I was I was enjoying it until the trip on the sword and the fall into the sword. Like that's definitely going to be some negative points and tactics. That's a bad ninja <laughs> tactic to slip on a sword and fall into a sword. Uh, I was a little underwhelmed with that. Like I know they probably don't want him to kill his own brother. That's why they're doing it. But I don't know. I just uh, I would actually rather just obviously just have him kill his brother and yeah. then see who it is and be like, oh shit. That would actually play a lot better into the movie for me. Um, if he once killed someone, he didn't, he regretted. That would play a lot better to me in the movie than just this accidental fall on a sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to touch on the fight scene for a second, uh, I really liked that show was using uh, a, like torches. I haven't seen torches being used before. Totally. And yeah. what I really liked is that he lost. Uh, he lost one torch and then he was fighting with just one. And then he lost that one too. And the red ninja started to use it. And when that mm. happened, something just like flipped in my brain. And I thought that that's really neat when one guy has a weapon and then in the battle, it ends up that the other guy ends up with it and now has his weapon and is using it against them. Just, I don't see that very often. And it stood out to me. I thought it was uh, quite, quite cool. So we see an old man master 
looking on as they fight. Then we you see, always got to have the old master in there somewhere. You do, and he looked great. You know, classic. Yeah. You see oh, him. Yeah. You see him, and you immediately know what he is, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we see this is all just a memory, as that old man master walks in on show in the temple in current time, and then they start fighting. So uh, another fun fight. But the master wins and Sho tells him that he's moving with his family to America. The master tries to give Sho a sword, but Sho says he's leaving his shadows in Japan. Uh, but he does settle for a cool-ass helmet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, I do like the fact that, you know, the old master is clearly like a younger guy in, in a wig <laughs> and everything. But that's helpful because then you can put the stunt person in there and they can look actually right. really good. I always thought the old guy's stunt person looked great. Later on, Limehouse's stunt person is like 30 years younger than he is. <laughs> and it's so noticeable. But here, here it works really well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this fight's good. I, I like this part a lot. Uh, I I really like the, like, I have to leave the ninja behind, leave the shadows behind. I like this whole idea. Again, I just want there to be a reason instead of just moving, like, we're moving away, so I'm no longer a ninja. I just want, I want him to bring up that, like, he doesn't want to fight anymore because his brother died. Like, I just want a little bit more of that um, for his character. I think they just well, kind of want the flashback... you... In Go ahead, Corey. I was just going to say, in the flashback, too, like, his brother, you know, he's holding his brother when he's dying, and he's like, the brother even says, like, what makes you think this is over? Or something like that. And I, yeah. I thought, like, oh, he's going to come back, like, somehow, some way later on, but it doesn't really play yeah. out that way. No, yeah. that that was definitely a weird aspect of the movie, to have this brother involved. The movie could have done more with that. Um, it, it felt like they kind of just half-assed that part. Uh, they they either needed to leave it out or go all the way with it. Um, yeah, that's a weird line by his brother. Like, this yeah. is gonna. You think this is over? Well, it turns out that it is over. <laughs> or maybe maybe he's just saying like you think being a ninja is over. I don't know. There's, it almost feels like a, a scene or two was cut out, and we we're kind of left yeah. just wanting a bit more. Well, I I know that there was a sequel planned that never kind of oh, uh, came okay. to fruition, and okay. maybe. Maybe they kind of had planned for that or like, you know, lay a little seed down and then we can circle back around. Maybe we can play with that later. That was sort of my takeaway. But I think as a standalone movie, yeah, I think, uh, Tim, you have to take it as, you know, you think that the ninja life is over, but, you know, kind of it'll never leave you sort of thing. Yeah. I'd love to see the brother come back in part two and slip on some nunchucks and fall into like a spiked sword or something or like a, a, a spiky staff. Like, just right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, immediately. And it's so, there's actually another villain, but that was, you know, he dies immediately. Again. And he says the same I'm thing. Back. You think this is over? <laughs> there's so many different weapons I can yeah, trip they... on. <laughs> so it is off to America for Show and his family. They are walking the streets, and a guy bumps into show and tells him, watch where he's going. And then we get this one-second flash of show thinking back to his training. It's just him slicing a sword, like, from the top down, and that's it. It's, it's literally one second. Um, I thought this was really funny because, like, what do you think this is? Like, for, for me, I'm thinking he's either visualizing that he could just off this guy with ease if he wanted to because he's a ninja. Or this is like his happy place that he goes to when he gets angered and he needs to calm himself. 
But like either way, it's just this super quick shot, and it's really jarring, but I really liked it. I think it's supposed to be the former, but I'm going to go with the latter. <laughs> it's his happy place. Anyone that he bumps into that he doesn't like, he just pictures slicing them in half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I definitely took it as uh, I could just end you right now. You don't even know who I am. You don't even know who you're talking to. Yeah. And it should be noted that, like, I think when they first get there to that cemetery, that looked like it was L.A., but the rest of the movie, like all of this, um, all the locations that they are here, this is all Houston, Texas. The movie was mostly filmed there, and uh, this looks like a real rough neighborhood that they're in. Yeah. So Show and his family, they get this tour of this old building that they bought. The outgoing owner, Mr. Green, gives them a tour. And then later that night, we see a dirty cop using that same building to drop a stolen necklace off in the floor. But as he's doing it, he changes his mind and he decides to keep it instead. I, I, it's, I mean, they do it because it, they need it to be cinematic for the movie. But why would you go to the drop, put the necklace in the hole and then pull yeah, it out then, again, then decide then go back. that you're going to keep yeah. it and then just walk out and leave? Like, <laughs> uh, whatever, it's fine. And, yeah. you know, that cop is kind of a little bit, you think he's kind of bumbling, you know, because he rips his shirt or whatever. But I think overall, I think the that he's also portrayed like, like, well enough to be scared of, you know, like, I think he does. He's a competent job as a bad cop throughout the movie and stuff like I, I felt that he was sinister. None of the characters feel overly goofy even though sometimes at first you're like oh is this going to be a goofy character none of them really stray that far into that realm agreed yeah yeah now this stolen necklace doesn't bode well for mr green because limehouse who was supposed to get the necklace thinks mr green must have found the necklace and he's kept it for himself so they grab him Limehouse beats him to death with a crowbar, then they burn his body, and then they blow up his body. So and holy shit. This is not shit. even the worst thing that Limehouse is going to do. Like he, no. like right, right now, we are aware of how evil Limehouse is and capable and willing to kind of go over that line, you know, and he's going to go even further, like later on. And, but, but I think. The way, you know, we're talking about tone and everything, I think anytime Limehouse is around, I, I don't know who's going to die. I don't know what this guy is going to do, and I always think that he's capable, and I think you need that. You always need that for your main, even though he's not the big bad technically, he still is the main antagonist, and, you know, we all know. We're all, you know, students of George Lucas and Joseph Campbell and stuff. We know that the villain has to be bigger and badder than the protagonist because the protagonist has to overcome something. And I, I do think that Limehouse is up there with, with a villain that I felt like, Oh crap. Like how is Sho Kasugi going to get this guy? Yeah. So my, my take on Limehouse here and this part of the movie, uh, I, it definitely shows his evilness and what he'll go to, like how bad he is. I want a bit more of a threat, you know, like him and six guys beat to death an 80 year old man. I'm still not like, the ninja won't be able to take them. You know, like we've been doing all these ninja movies. I'm like, this guy's a ninja. You know, he's 
he's definitely going to be able to own these guys as soon as it flips. Like as soon as it flips opposite and he's going to, he knows he's in trouble, he's going to destroy them. Like this movie's going to be over in 10 minutes. So I just, I, I want the first, I, I get that like that this is the first threat, but maybe another threat in between that's like a bigger thing that they take out um, where I really start to worry for, for show. But like I, I never actually had a moment where I was worrying for his capability to take them out, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I sort of liked that about the movie because along with you, I was never worried that show wasn't going to win. Like, you know, this movie, he's going to win, right? He's like the A, he's the A star in the movie. He was sort of struggling with when do I get involved? Like, when is it my opportunity or, or when am I allowed? And, and it's like, not even when he's allowed, but he doesn't even want to get involved, right? Because he left that whole, as he said, the shadow world behind. He left the ninja behind. He doesn't want to step in at any point. So I liked watching how far Limehouse was going to be allowed to go before hmm. Kasugi decided, I need to get in. You know, it's showtime, if you will. Um, but <laughs> I've been waiting for it to say that for a while. <laughs> perfect, perfect drop, bro. <laughs> Wow. But Perfect. I, I, I just loved like, okay, what's he going to do next? Like he's a loose cannon. Um, this was one of the aspects I really liked was I can't wait to see what horrible shit Limehouse is going to do next. And it kept hmm. getting worse and worse. And I actually really enjoyed it. Like it was one of the aspects of the movie that really grabbed me was how sinister this guy was. Cause out of all the things in the movie, this was what I wasn't expecting. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm all caught up on the ninja movies that you guys have discussed, and I'm trying to think, is this the first one where the antagonist isn't a ninja? Um, like, is this, like, one of the few that you guys have covered that, that where, like, the, the it's not, it's not going to be a ninja versus ninja finale here? Uh, uh, like, what f- about ninja? Like, the movie Ninja? No, that was a ninja that he fought. It was another ninja who stole that suit. Uh, all that comes to mind oh, okay. for me would be yeah. American Ninja 2, where, like, I, I think yeah. the leader, wasn't the leader, like, a mad scientist or something? Or, or am I thinking Cyborg Cop? I think you're thinking Cyborg Cop, yeah. I think that was Cyborg Cop. <laughs> <laughs> what a great movie that was. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This might be the first one then. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I like your I like your take on that though, Tim, um, and that explains why you know you enjoyed the movie more than I did because that was the problem I was having. Right. The problem I was having was just like screaming at Show to just get his shit together and kill all these guys. Like, so I was just frustrated that he hadn't decided to just do it. You know, just decided to wipe these guys out. Maybe that's why I needed that brother story to be a little more solid, so I knew why he wasn't just taking things into his own hands um because like i was just getting frustrated but i I like your flip side of like you were enjoying that he hasn't made the decision yet to do it you knew when he made the decision he'd be able to take everyone out but it was that anticipation of like what's gonna do it what's gonna be that thing that flips the switch on you Mm -hmm. and and the whole fact that he's like taking time to do that kind of creates the ninja aspect in this kind of a slow burn like the ramp up it kind of, you know, it's a little bit slow. And then, but once it goes up, it goes up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And that's why that opening um, scene, the the Black Ninja TV show that we got to watch, that's why that's so perfectly placed right at the beginning, because it's a ninja movie. You want to see ninja right out of the gate. They give you the ninja, but then they take their time to build you up to more. But it was enough. It was enough for me to see. And then there's enough action throughout the movie that I never thought that there's not enough ninja action in this movie. Yeah. 
Now, after blowing up Mr. Green, Limehouse doesn't stop there. He grabs one of Sho's kids uh, right in the middle of this kid in a street fight, which was awesome. Just seeing like the younger brother got picked on. So the older brother comes in and he's beating the shit out of like six other kids that are bigger than him. He Great. punches so many kids in the nuts. Like every yeah. other one of his move is a nut punch. And I'm like, you know what? That's great because they're all bigger than yeah. him. But yeah. he wrecks those kids, dude. It was fun. Yeah, nut punches, ass kicks. I was like, yeah, kick yeah. their ass. And then he flips a guy backwards and kicks his ass. I was like, yeah, yep. great. That's what I said. It's yeah. a fun It's a fun kid fight scene. Oh, yeah. It is. And it gets interrupted when Limehouse comes out and punches the kid in the nose. <laughs> Incredible. Like, oh my, like, that was so brutal. Not only does Incredible. he punch him in the nose, he like he then takes the car door and shoves it yeah. in his face. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. this guy is such a piece of shit. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, this was wild. Um Yeah. I was like, this movie just got good when just, he punched yeah, that kid. Shit just got real at this <laughs> I point. I was like, oh shit, shit yeah. just got real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're punching kids in the nose. And this kid is what, yeah. like ten maybe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. But I think that kind of goes to the the conversation and maybe I'm the only one having this conversation about the tone because the fight scene when he's fighting the the kid bullies it's a little lighthearted. Like Dean the one he kicks in the right. butt that's that's clearly done as a joke like it's yeah. you know it's meant to elicit like oh that's cute and funny and yes he is destroying these kids nuts and they may never have kids in the future of their own because of it. But like it still has a lightheartedness to it. But then the moment Limehouse enters the scene the kid gets punched in the nose and you're just like, wow, and like knocked out. And you're like, okay, again, and this kind of just, and and maybe, maybe the tone is good. Like the fact that it's kind of like, it kind of skirts it because it really emphasizes Limehouse's piece piece of shittery, you know, like how bad this guy is. Yeah, that's why the movie kind of ramps up for me here is because before this, when I'm seeing what's happening and seeing how the movie's building, that's where I'm sitting there being like, I mean, what is this movie even going to be? Because I know he can destroy any of these guys. So I was like, unfortunately, the only thing that can make this movie good is if this guy kills all of his his kids and his, and his wife. That's the only way this movie can be good is if he's just on this rampage. And unfortunately, that's going to hap- have to happen to these innocent characters. So as soon as he punches the kid in the face and hits him with a door, I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, he could do that. <laughs> he could just punch a kid in the face. Uh, that that actually worked for me. And I was I was on board at that point. Yeah, and the thing is, like, too, I, the when I first watched this a few years ago, I haven't, I didn't have like vigilante under my my belt uh, with Robert Forrester and Fred Williamson, and in that movie, like a, a freaking five year old kid gets shotgun blasted. So like, I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm rewatching this, and I kind of forget the storyline. I, I don't, I don't really, you know, it's pretty. I, was, I smoked first time I watched the guys and gals, so I didn't really remember much about it. But, like, I'm watching it now, and I'm like, man, like, this kid could die. I don't know. Like, I have yeah. no idea where this is going to go because it's also a different era. 1985, like, I feel like after that, you know, you don't see as many kids getting, like, killed and whatnot. And after, you know, like, the movie like The Blob and stuff, you see, like, a kid get blobbed in the sewers, and it was horrible, you know. But, like, this with the kid getting punched in the face, I'm like – I don't know who's safe in this movie. And that's great. That's a great thing because you don't know when to relax and when to sort of be on guard. And again, it all helps because I like Shokasugi's family. I, I like them and I'm rooting for them up and, you know, up until the end, you know? Yep. So after punching the older brother in the face, 
um, he kidnaps the younger brother. And the older brother runs home to tell uh, tell mom and dad his, his face is completely bloodied. And oh, a, yeah. as he gets home, the phone rings, and it's the thugs telling Sho to bring them the necklace at midnight, and then he'll get his kid back. So Sho here, he's thinking like, what the fuck? What's, what? You stole my kid and yeah. you're talking about a necklace? Like, what, do you, what is even going on? I love the confusion yeah. that was going on in his face. Just like, yeah, what? Um, but he ends up going to that meeting at, at midnight. <laughs> Limehouse clubs him with a two by four and then cuts his chest open with a knife. And both times, Sho doesn't even flinch. Uh, he was chained up. Uh, but after that cut of the knife, uh, we do get that one second flashback. Of him training again. What's he doing? Kick your ass. I don't know. Kick your ass for happy place. Um, <laughs> a thug pulls out a blowtorch and is going towards the kid. Show has seen enough. He jumps up out of his restraints, kicks the light to kind of make it dark, and then he's gone. And the kid's gone. This was great ninja shit. Yeah. Yeah. You got ninja... <laughs> I perseverance i don't know when he takes that two by four to the chest and doesn't even flinch i thought that was awesome and then you know the cut across the the chest as well but like you know limehouse and the goons about to pull a burn on the kid again even though it doesn't go there i'm still like man this movie goes into some dark places like they were 100 yeah. percent going to do it it wasn't one of these yes. things oh, yeah. like no doubt like we're, no we're doubt. putting the blowtorch there but we won't go through with it like they would have for sure yeah, and like there's there's something that like happens right after where there's some people talking and they're like, oh yeah, he doesn't have the necklace because he would have said something with his kid there. Yeah. In the moment, they didn't care. They were still going to mess up the kid. Like they're just like, let's push this as far as possible so we know for sure from this guy that he doesn't know where the necklace is. Uh, I like show in this in this scene. I'm still screaming at him to do something earlier, but I I actually like it. I like this one where he's just like super calm when it's stuff about him. He's just standing there. And as soon as that torch gets turned to the kid, he's out. He's like lights out and he grabs a kid and they're gone. Uh, so I like this. I like this little scene. I, I'm good with I'm good with that being the outcome. Like I don't need him to mess them up here because it was just his kid in danger. He went there. He said, I don't know where the necklace is. Grabbed his kid and left. So I'm, I'm, I totally like this. And I like how he goes in full ninja mode once he knocks out the the light. Like yeah. he's it's so quick how he how it's so fast how he gets his son out of there. Like they don't even know. They're like they're still looking for him where he was chained up, which is only like 4 feet away from where the kid is, but in that time frame, he's gotten to the kid and gotten him out of there. And I love that. I love how quickly he goes into ninja mode. The only thing we needed was to like see him like in the darkness with the, like just his eyes being white, you know? like <laughs> yeah. full ninja mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gets he gets one of my favorite things to happen, which is uh, panicked baddies just shooting into the darkness. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to happen that ninjas do to these these guys who just have these guns that just start throwing bullets anywhere because they're like, I don't know where he went, so I'm just gonna shoot, and he gets them to do that. Kind of like that uh, Mark of the Ninja game that yeah, you guys uh, exactly. covered on, on Patreon. That was a great episode, by the way. I've been meaning to uh, pick up that game. I've been wanting to pick it up forever, but your all's review kind of pushed it over the edge. Uh, everyone out there, listeners, if you're not on the Patreon page, go check out uh, you know the the Mark, for, Mark of the Ninja review. It's really good. Thanks, Corey. 
Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I like Dean, how you were saying that like, they were like, Oh, this guy doesn't actually know anything about the necklace. This, he has nothing to do with it. But then the, yeah. the very next narrative is them just saying, well, now he knows too much. We have to kill him anyways. So we get that scene and it's Limehouse um, talking to his boss, a Mr. Newman, which is another thing I really like in the movie is Limehouse isn't the, the big bad guy, right? He's like the, the number one thug and the big bad guy doesn't do much, but he is directing Limehouse to go and do this and go and do that. Another thing that I like in movies when the second in command is kind of like the better guy and is the guy who outlasts yeah. the actual boss. Uh, yeah, for sure. So what do they decide to do? They send some thugs to run over the wife and youngest son with a car. And the movie did not hold any punches <laughs> with that sequence. Uh, they fold over. They fold over that car. Another shocking <laughs> moment. I'm expecting Jeez. like the camera to cut away and us to yeah, hear no. a scream. No, like the car smacks into them. Yeah, and like you said, they fold over. My goodness. This is such like death wish type of stuff. Like this movie is like 70, I don't know, 65% exploitation revenge film and like the rest of it is is ninja movie. But it's like it's more exploitation revenge than it is ninja yeah like trope yeah. tropes wise and stuff like that which was yeah. something that just made this movie feel very interesting to me very it felt very unique yeah so the wife and kid are gonna live but they're in the hospital so show <laughs> for now <laughs> so show goes to the docks where the thugs are having a party and he makes his way through a dozen guys with only his bare hands because he decided not to bring his sword. Cool. He gets all the way to Limehouse and tell, he puts a knife to his throat and tells him if he doesn't leave his family alone, Limehouse will pray for death. So great line and great infiltration scene watching show make his way through this giant boat, just dismantling yeah. guys. It was fun. Speaking of Dean's Batman shirt, I got Batman vibes in this scene. Um, first off, you know, show doesn't kill anybody. One guy does look like he snaps his neck, but for the most part, it looks like he's just punching and kicking people and sort of knocking them out. But there is one scene where, like, it's like Limehouse's first-in-command goon, you know? He's, like, with his goons, and he's, like, looking around, and they're getting taken out behind him. He doesn't even see it, and then he, like, turns around, you know, and then he gets taken out. It's so Batman-esque, but I love how Limehouse is having this party, and, you know, he sees something, you know, something that makes him suspicious. I think he sees show jumping all over something, being chased by guys and everything, but then almost immediately... The lights turn out where he is, and he's surrounded by people. Yeah. But Show makes his way right behind Limehouse and, like, you know, threatens him and everything, but he doesn't kill him because he's not killing people right now. And I thought it was so cool, but I thought it was so Batman esque. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's exactly the same uh, vibe I got. I got Batman vibes twice in this movie. We'll talk about the next one later. Uh, but this was the first one, and it's it, there was a really cool scene. You already mentioned, Corey, where he's, like, doing stuff in the background. He's, like, taking guys out in the background, and there's, like, just a bunch of thugs walking, and you can just see, like, 
one of them kind of disappear in the background. It's really sweet. It looks like it reminds me of that back or that uh, Batman like at the at the docks type of type of scene where he's that's just my favorite taking scene. guys away. Yeah. And Batman Begins. That's my favorite yeah. scene because it's shot like a horror movie, and sure. Batman is the the creature that that you're supposed to be scared of. I wish we saw more of that in in this. I wish we saw more people in the background getting like taken out and stuff. I, I don't think. At the time, like, you know, it just that cinema, that, that language of cinema wasn't quite there yet. Mm. And obviously, this is also a lower budget movie. It takes more time to set stuff like that up. But I do feel like we see things in this movie that probably inspired Christopher Nolan's Batman, you know, Batman Begins down the road. Yeah. You yeah. could tell that they had, like, specific ideas about things but weren't able to fully flesh them out. And this was probably one of them, you know, I, I love how they're saying through the movie show wants to leave the shadows behind, right? Like that's what he calls his ninja life. And then we've seen it twice here when he does his ninja work. First, when he's escaping with his kid, he kicks the light to get into the shadows and then he escapes yeah. here. The lights go out and he's in the shadows as he makes his way to the boss. So the shadows are like him, um, like actually working in the shadows as a ninja. And that's definitely where a Batman vibe comes in because Batman is hiding in the shadows. He's attacking out of the shadows. And that's what we see show do a couple times. I don't know if he does it again in the movie, but again, it's another maybe like just half-assed thing that they, they wanted to throw in there. They had an idea about it, but it kind of got lost in the technicalities of making this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And just before I move on from this scene, uh, so I'm totally fine with the one where he saves his kid. Uh, this is the one that I got a problem with just because like his wife and kid were run over. It's a miracle they're alive. They should be dead. And if they were dead, he would have killed them. He like he would have killed he would have killed uh, the boss here if they died. Why are you waiting until they're dead? Like this is the time they should be dead. It's a miracle they're alive. This is the time you kill that guy. And so this, th from here on out, I'm screaming at him and yelling at him that everything is his fault. So I, 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 while I'm fine with the first one, this one I don't like. Well, Limehouse is also yelling and screaming because he's very pissed off that show would have the audacity to infiltrate his boat. So yeah. uh, he has a real problem regulating his anger I wouldn't mind seeing a one second flashback of him doing something to kind of like calm himself <laughs> down. Um, what do you think it would be? <laughs> it would be him like, hitting that old guy with the crowbar. <laughs> him crowbarring someone, yeah. yeah, for sure. And yelling liar. <laughs> liar. <laughs> um, so what he decides to do in his anger is slice an artery in his own forearm so that he'll be rushed to the hospital where Sho's wife and child are being held. This is such a gangster move. I can't even believe it. This guy's fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, this is going to have to go under tactics because yes. he, yeah, like, for that's sure. an impressive tactic. He's Absolutely. like, and I don't think he obviously didn't probably think it through. But, I think he you know, did. He's like he knew. I, yeah, I know. Like he knew that the only way to get now to the wife yeah. is to be in the hospital. I don't know if he needed to gash himself that No, he bad. didn't need to do that, but. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. He's that. like, he could just go in there and say, like, I bumped my head. I have a concussion. But no, he's like, he goes all the way with everything. He just has to take everything yeah. to the extreme. And he, he grabs a knife and like, holy shit. 
<laughs> and, yeah. and I mean, honestly, the the tactics points, the bulk of the tactic points are going to go towards him because his tactics are, I think, mo- he's got more tactics than than Show does in this movie. I think it's like it's for me. It's equally weighted. I've got some. Uh, I got some tactics on both sides that uh, impressed me. Yeah, that's a great point, though. That's exactly what I'm thinking at this point. That's exactly what I'm thinking. He does a couple costume changes when he's in the uh, yes! when he's in yes! the hospital. <laughs> when that's happening, I'm like, this guy's a better ninja than Show. Like, I'm just getting more and more mad at Show. I'm like, yeah, like that was great. Cut your cut your wrist, and now you're in the uh, you know now you're in the hospital. I just we know what's coming, and uh, I'm just yeah, I'm mad at Show <laughs> at this point and being like, this Limehouse, he's the better ninja right now. I'm not gonna lie to you. You're you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. He gets taken into the hospital. He like he kills a doctor. Um, well, I guess he just knocked him out with a. Or did he? I think he just knocked yeah. him out with a. Uh, he was supposed to get a needle to like relieve his pain. He used it on the doctor. Yeah. The doctor's down. Whatever. Killed him or didn't kill him? Who cares? But then he dresses up like the doctor so that he can sneak into where the wife is. And this was probably the most disturbing thing in the movie. Um, he like he punches her a bunch of times to knock her out and then they they he like rips her shirt open too then they allude to the fact that he rapes her they don't really show us anything but i'm i'm getting the vibe that that's what happened there and then sure. he's got this like ice pick and he so disgustingly was like stabbing her and enjoying it like there was like a yeah when she was like passed out too like you know it's it was just, disgusting man ugh. the sense of like joy on his face as he was doing it man it was fucked up and it should be noted that the three of us watched um the quote unquote director's cut it's uh it's an hour and 38 minutes um this whole scene was omitted from the US VHS cut which is about an hour and I think 32 minutes so about 6 minutes are cut from it um they cut all of this but I've never seen any other version so I've only ever seen this version and man this is this is some rough shit. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a fan of of you know raping movies and stuff like this, and just I mean punching her in the face like three times, like it just it just gets worse and worse and worse. And uh, but you know it does add to the to the fear factor of the villain, the the antagonist, and it does add to his quote unquote antagonist credibility. You know, like he he's and, and you know he. It makes you want him to die horribly. Hell you yeah. want that to happen. Yeah. So, but this was rough. This was absolutely yeah. rough. And this is this is what I was alluding to about the tonal shift and stuff. Where like I don't know if this scene matches the tone of like the beginning of this movie. And maybe that's probably why it was cut from the U.S. you know VHS release. But yeah, this is this was hard to watch. Yeah, I, I I hated this. Um, he's he's far enough along for me in this movie. He doesn't need another thing to make him even more evil. He's evil enough. Like I think a, a kind of lazy thing to do that people have been doing for a long time is that just like th- this is what makes the the guy the most evil. You know, he rapes someone. There now we have him as the most evil. And I just don't like this insertion of this violence here that didn't really need to be there because he was our, you already did it you already did a creative way to build him up to being the evil the most evil guy in the movie it didn't need the extra it didn't it didn't make me 
it it didn't make me like it more. <laughs> you know, I I disliked it more. So if you just would have left him sneak in there and kill her, like that's what he was gonna do. That's fine. You don't need all that extra shit. Yeah, I watched both the cuts, and yeah, the one without the additional stuff worked better for me because you get what you yeah. need out of that. Like you, it's it's terrifying enough that he's made his way into the hospital, and while he's yeah. like getting into her room and stuff, I'm so scared. And I'm I'm waiting for someone to come and save her, and that doesn't happen. That's all you need, and they really tastefully do it. Um, all that extra stuff was just it was over the top for me. But uh, Limehouse, he then like overpowers two police officers here, which is another one of these things where I feel like they're making him a little bit beyond human, like without really saying it, because you can't just overpower a couple of cops, and he very easily does it to get their um. They're they're one of their uniforms and to sneak out. Uh, actually, he tried. He tr- again better tactics than the ninja. Yeah, exactly. He he tried actually to kill the kid, but the the cops came to intercept him because they're there kind of guarding the people. So that's when he overpowered them. But Show gets to the hospital. He sees what's happened to his wife, and he promises to her as a ninja that he'll make them pay for what they've done. And he has a good line. But he doesn't hear his, his son overhearing it. And I'm like, what kind of ninja are you? Come on. <laughs> well, he hasn't gone back yet. He's just saying he will go back, but he hasn't he hasn't shifted yet. But he says he will make them pay for it. He swears it as a ninja. His body, his spirit, his soul will return to the shadows, to the shadow of the ninja. Uh, and I'm just thinking, fuck yeah, man. I'm ready for you to return to the shadows of the ninja because... I want to see some action here. I want to see Limehouse get taken out. I'm definitely ready. I've been screaming at him. <laughs> yeah, all Dean's been ready for ever since. Ready like, for... You know what? The early scenes. He's been ready for this to happen. But I... minute twenty, I've been <laughs> screaming at him. Let's go. I, I Let's think get they, it done I think they here, brought so... it in at the right time. So I'm. I'm. I'm yeah. liking it. Uh, we get a really cool, like, classic. Oh, can I? Oh, sorry. Yeah, go sorry. Ahead. I just, I have to throw it out because I think I called it out on the uh, podcast after Dark Ninja 3 episode, The Domination. This is, <laughs> this is the same sweater he's wearing in that one. Oh, okay. Which is like this black, this like black sweater with these like purple, like lines, look like very subtle purple lines. But I'm like, but the fact that he also wore the same one in Ninja 3, it has to be his sweater. Like, he has yeah. to own it. <laughs> What's that it's about? the coziest yeah. one. It's and, obvious. and I love it, though. I think it's a really cool sweater. That's why I kind of yeah. took notice of it. But I was like, well, yeah, I, I guess me and Sho Kasuki have the same taste in sweaters. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Great sweater. Now, that was the worst 30 seconds of radio. Yeah, we got a few. We got a few of them in here, so... Uh, I love it. Yeah, a very classic 80s, like getting ready for the big fight montage here. Another terrible song that I'm sure Dean and Corey both loved. Uh, loved woo-hoo. it. <laughs> Show is so forging his own sword, which was fucking awesome. Uh, good scene here as the thugs show up um, and they try to run over uh, Show's other kid, right? And yeah. this kid has fully weaponized his BMX. It has a smoke screen. It's got a slingshot. It's got blow darts. It's got nunchucks and poles that extend out of the tires. And he fucks a bunch of guys up with this bike. Uh, this was awesome. I love that the, yeah. the kid, like even before show does it, the kid is like taking back some of the power and is like fighting back. It's It was such a fun, a fun like addition to the movie, even though, 
this is part of like this humor similar to when he was beating up like six kids before it's sort of this humor that it's kind of weird that it's in the movie because it doesn't feel like that type of movie but i like it because it makes me laugh yeah I'm, i'm a big fan of this part uh just to go back to the uh sort of the getting ready montage where uh shows getting all his stuff going this is another batman moment i had because he just like breaks a pearl necklace in half or something and i was like he's becoming (laughs) batman he's going back to the shadows this is it um but then while that's happening his kid is like doing something you know he's like making something and i'm really curious i'm like what's he doing what's he making and then you get the scene with the kid just out there he's like yeah i'll take on these bad guys and i think it really fits for me with this kid who's just jumping into every moment wants to be a ninja when he grows up you know he's like every time there's a situation um even just back to the very first fight you know uh, in in karate class very first scene he he volunteers to fight the huge kid the kid that's like double the size of everyone there he volunteers for it so i totally believe that this kid would just go out on his own with his bike and be like i can take them out myself so uh yeah i I love this kid in the movie and i I was i was a big fan of this part yeah and i mean all of that was super cool i very much enjoyed that and there was like this cool little scene prior uh where where limehouse kind of basically goes and gets finally he finally tracks down the money tracks down the the necklace and everything but it's at this like Italian restaurant and you know of course they're trying to do a godfather type of scenario but like I love how because he he tracks the cop down because he knows which cop did it and everything and I like how he just guns down everybody in that restaurant and then like he's about to leave too and here's like a woman like whimpering and he's like oh no I'm not gonna kill you and then just like guns her down and I'm like this guy is such an asshole but then it like jumps immediately now to the kid so like again there's that tonal sort of jump and everything but i don't mind it here because after that sort of extreme violence that we see it's fun to see the kid kind of get his own sort of the you know show shows kid get his own sort of revenge on these goons and everything and like you said there's all these like cool things with his bike and whatnot but it is fun and it's a nice little shift in taking you down like you know from a 10 as far as extreme goes you know back down to like a five or something you know so I thought it was fun here, the tonal shift. Yep. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that Limehouse is doing when he's doing all this bad stuff, it's all, well, it's not always, but it's probably 90% of the time, it's the middle of the day. He just doesn't care. It doesn't matter who's yeah. watching or anything. Yeah. He, just, he just does it. Yeah. Uh, but show is all fitted out in full ninja attire. He looks great. It's a great costume. He's at uh, the big boss, Mr. Newman's mansion. Tim, can I cut you off? Because I'm a, you know, I'm an armor file. I love the fact that his ninja outfit, it has like an armor faceplate, an armored helmet. um, And you do find out later that like he has armor underneath like the gi and stuff. But you can see like his gauntlets have armor, his shin pad has armor. I really think Christopher Nolan like looked at this movie and was like, I'm going to take this kind of ninja and make Batman into like this, this version. Um, but I really like, and, and also too, I can see where, you know, Scorpion and Sub-Zero got their aesthetic from and, and whatnot. But ever since Mortal Kombat 2 specifically, I've always had a thing for ninjas that have actual armor on them. I just think it's a really cool visual and he actually utilizes it a bit in this movie as well. Yeah, like it was useful. It wasn't just that they showed us that he had it. They did Mm -hmm. have that scene where he's getting shot and you can see the bullets deflecting off 
the armor. And then he actually does get hit with a bullet because, you know, he's not completely covered in armor. Um, but that that's all happening here is he's like taking all these guys out, you know, he we're getting to see him using a bunch of nice weapons that we want to see. He's using a sword. He's using arrows. He's using his throwing stars. He's using smoke bombs. So like all the ninja stuff that we want to see out of him is happening here. Um, he lawn darted somebody. Did you guys see that one? Uh, that was a sh- I've never seen that <laughs> weapon before. It's like Sick. it had like a giant spike going one direction and then like four spikes going the other direction. Yes. Yes. It's like yeah, an old I school, like that. The old school lawn like, dart that have like they don't make anymore yeah. because you could kill someone with it. I was like, what yeah. the fuck was that? And they, and you didn't know. You knew that he hit someone with something and then they kind of like pan it over and you're like, oh shit, that was like a dart or yeah. something. Yeah, that, that, was, yeah, that was the goon with the the unfortunate hair receding hairline. <laughs> the uh the Fred Dwyer uh goon. My my favorite goon is when he first gets to uh Newman's house. There's like one goon running at him, but you could see that there's an arrow sticking out of his back because he's when he's about to get hit by, you know, it's already there. Oh, I didn't the, notice you know, that. The, the, the effects department. <laughs> You know, I love it. I don't care. It's fantastic. I love it. You got to watch it in HD, so maybe that was one of the finer details that comes out in the (laughs) in the high definition. Yeah, Yeah, the uh, Arrow Blu-ray looks really good, actually. Nice. Yeah. Show does do a legit ninja move here, though, when he pulls a knife out of a case, and then it looks like he uses the case to throw dust into the eyes, blinding the guy before stabbing him. That was something we talked about in our uh, ninja. patreon warm-up episode there is they would do that they'd have some sort of like special like dust or poison spicy dust or something in their uh sheath and as they pulled the sword out it would also fly out and hit the people so i liked that that was very nice that's getting marks for sure uh and then he pulls out probably the coolest projectile weapon i've ever seen he just pulls out what looks like uh like a piece of metal like a spike and then he unfolds it into a full circle and it reveals like six spikes and it's huge. And he throws that and that hits this Mr. Newman in the neck and like sticks him to a door. Yeah, that's cool. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Sticks him to a door, right? Like he's like hanging there, you know, he's not on the ground. He's kind of hanging there. And you're like, what's cool about it is you're trying to figure out how he's dying. You're like, what part of this thing is killing him? Is he being choked? Is he being cut? Is he being like, what is it? And I just like that creativity in a weapon where it's already done and happening. And I'm just like, I can't stop looking at it. I'm just trying to figure out exactly what's going on. That was one of my favorite weapons in the, in the whole movie. Yeah. And it should be noted that Mr. Newman is played by Michael Constantine, who's kind of known for my big fat Greek wedding. I think he was one (laughs) of the dads or something on there. But uh, yeah, he but he he never felt to me as as threatening as Limehouse does. Not at all. No, no way. And that's why I like how he just kind of quickly, easily dies. Yeah. 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 Didn't need to spend any time on him. Uh, yeah. Limehouse, he runs out of the mansion. He takes off, gets in his truck. Show goes after him. Uh, Limehouse keeps trying to run him over, but at first, Show does a flip over the truck, which looked pretty cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Then he awesome. Fuck yeah. And then, like it's a real stunt, guys. Remember, this is there's no CGI here. So this one, I think, I do think it was real, but I think the car was in the foreground and drove past him mm. as he was just in the mm. background. And he okay. fl- yeah. he did the flip at the right time, but I don't think there's any special effects. I think he did that, but I don't think he would have like actually done that to the truck coming at him. 
but he would have made it actually. He would have like, made it. The he truck cleared was it. Coming yeah. out. He he cleared it like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I loved about that was it wasn't even close. Like he was yeah. so far uh, uh, like higher than it, and he landed so far past it. Like it, he absolutely nailed it. And so when I watched it, I was just like, he. I think he did that because it wasn't even close. Like he just knew he could do it. It was amazing. It was an it was an amazing stunt. Like there was a couple things that happened in this movie where I'm like, that's my favorite part. Yeah, that's my favorite part. This is definitely where I was like, that's my favorite part. Where he did this flip over the truck. Incredible. I th- there's not a lot of wire work in this. I don't think there's uh, any. And I, know, and I know you guys have seen more wire work, but this has a lot of uh, trampoline work. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're doing lots sure. of flips and stuff like that. But yeah. Like yeah. they had to send the truck fast enough that it would go past him as he's in the air. And that just would have yeah. been like far too dangerous to actually try to do in real life. Like if, if you see this in a movie and it's actually real, the car's probably going slower. Maybe the guy flips up onto the car, which could be real, but to get him jumping and actually like landing as the truck has gone past him, that truck was fucking cruising. But still, even to do the timing of that would have been really, really tough. It's yeah. a beautiful shot. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Limehouse tries to run him over again, and this time show ducks under the car. He grabs a hold of the bottom as it's uh, flying past him, and he's holding onto the undercarriage so that he can climb up and fight from the side of the car. There was a weird like cut from day to night here as show is under the car. I don't know how long he was supposed to be hanging on for, but... Those are always kind of weird when they just like immediately cut in the same action sequence, but it's day and then it's night or, you know, vice versa. When they do that, it's weird, but whatever. But I did like how he was kind of getting hurt under the car. Like he's not like perfect. I mean, he's going to get really hurt later and everything. I like how he's not he's not flawless. He's not infallible, you know? Yep. Yeah. 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 There's there's definitely some weird cuts in the entire movie. Uh, I agree, Tim. This is one of them. There's some where it's like, wait, I didn't know we were there, and all of a sudden we're there. Right. Uh, the the thing about I really like you know going under the car and grabbing a hold. I'm not sure I like Limehouse knowing he's there. Right. That feels like a move that the guy driving the car would just be like a little bit baffled of where you went. And I, I would have liked there to be a little bit more stealth there where that actually tricked Limehouse and he wasn't just he knew right away he was under the car and I just kind of wish he didn't. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even know, like, because Show kind of climbs up the side right away. It would have been better, yeah, if, if he just kind of, like, rode it out and just when Limehouse yeah, stopped, a he bit. got out. I think that would have worked better. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But I like what Limehouse is doing here. Like, he fled the mansion as fast as he could because he's on the way to kill the kids. He's like, I, I have to kill those kids. He's just got this bloodlust yep. to kill this family. And he gets to where they are, comes out with an axe, and he's trying to, like, hack his way in there. But Show's able to prevent that. And Limehouse runs into a nearby mannequin warehouse, which I thought was a really, like, creepy and cool location to kind of have this final fight scene at. Oh, hell yeah. I love this location. I mean, man, awesome locations like this in movies is like, it's what I do this job for, you know, like just to see stuff like this. And I'm like, it's always, it's always in these older movies, you know, it's always in these movies from the eighties where, where some, you know, scout location scout just found this location and it's just, it's gold, Jerry, it's gold. And I love (laughs) it. Yeah, totally. This is, 
like we've mentioned kind of earlier that this could uh, this movie might take a hit on locations. Uh, it's tough in this movie where they're going. They're not going to a lot of different places. There's a lot of indoor stuff. Um, so to find something like this, that's just such huge bonus points, you know, to, to like to have an indoor location that's very similar to other things we've had, but to fill it with like these mannequins and just make it so creepy. Like it is it is this really cool um, like it's going to be a wide open space, but it's going to be tough to find who you're looking for because there's just a bunch of bodies all around that are mannequins. So it just like adds that adds that tension up. It makes this type of um, this type of fight, which when it comes to me at the end, I'm like, well, this guy, you know, this ninja would just wipe him out immediately. This makes it more believable. He has to find him first and he's hiding amongst all of these mannequins. So, uh, yeah, absolutely love this location. It was a big plus up. And another point to Limehouse, he actually uses like scare tactics uh, yeah. to like, you know, he kind of puts a, a like the mannequin head on like a stick, kind of scares show. So like so show has to swing at it and then he can do something else. And he wounds show, you know, in this scene where he kind of stabs him in the leg with this wooden you know, piece of wooden, I don't know, it's like a little two by four or something, a handle of something, but he sticks it right in his leg. And I know you guys saw the same version I did. So like, there's one point he sticks it in, he kind of pulls up on it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, damn. And then later, like, like when they're fighting, they're moving, you know, it's this whole cat and mouse thing in this mannequin uh, place. But even at some point, the guy, you know, Limehouse grabs that piece of wood again in his leg and yanks it the other way. That was like, that was gory. That was painful. Like that was one of those painful. Like you're grabbing your own leg when you watch <laughs> it. But it, it kind of reminded me of the raid. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the first raid, but there's yeah. one point in time where it's like over by the elevators, mid movies, fighting these guys. But one guy sticks in the leg with a knife and then pulls up on it, like slices up the guy's leg. And I'm just like, oh my god, this kind of like reminded me of that. And again, I wonder how many of these newer filmmakers making these action movies, Christopher Nolan, the guys who did the raid and stuff, you know they grew up on this movie. You know they did. You know they're taking little things out of it. And they're like, that was cool. I want to do that better. And I think the 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 piece of wood in, in, in Sho Kasuki's leg also adds, you know, it, it knocks your, your hero down a, a peg in his abilities. So now he can kind of be a bit more on par with Limehouse, but at the same time, it's Limehouse doing these dirty tricks type of fights, you know, type of thing. And yeah, it's just, I, I love it. I love this whole third act. Yeah. This, this yeah. final fight yeah. scene here, like from the time they get into the mannequin warehouse, it's a good 10 minutes of a final fight scene. This yeah. was not quick. Yep. It took a while, um, but it was mostly kind of show looking around and getting injured and getting beat up. Now, obviously, yeah. you know, he is going to win. He's going to kill Limehouse. But I didn't, this is one of the things I didn't like, is I didn't like how Limehouse went down. I need more out of his death. For the things that he's mm -hmm. been doing, it's not enough for me that he just dies. And he dies off screen as well. Uh, what do yep. you guys think about uh, the final scene? I, I yeah, Tim, I, I totally agree with you because uh, the the relationship I've been having with this movie, um, I really need a payoff at the end. You know, I really need I need this this huge death of Limehouse at the end, and it, it was building up to be a huge death, but I kind of know 
I'm kind of seeing that what they're building up, they probably don't have the budget to do because we've been cutting away from these things the entire movie. And so I'm actually a little worried when he's heading towards this saw that we aren't going to get to see it. And then obviously we cut away from this circular saw. He's like on a log going towards a circular saw. And I did say out loud, we don't even get to see it. <laughs> like I was, I was so upset we that we don't even get to see this guy die. I yeah. need that so much because of how you've built him up in this movie. That could have been something that would have saved it big time for me. Um, I do like a lot of the fight leading up to that because, like, what Corey we, was. We saying. get ninja versus chainsaw, which is awesome. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, all the all, exactly all of the weapons that are being picked up. I'm a big fan of this, like just grabbing stuff that's in this warehouse and using it. Um, the twisting of blades, the dragging of them. I've been watching a lot of slashers lately. It's so it's 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 so impressive how like a, just a twist makes that death way more gruesome, and you actually feel it. You know, when a knife just goes in, that's just you know you, you, when you watch enough of them, you're just like, okay, that's how they're killing them. As soon as they twist or drag, you feel it. So I really liked the twisting of things. Um, I, I was I was into the fight, even though I thought that Ninja should have you know show should have just like dominated this yeah, thing. Agreed. But I was into it, and then I was just so disappointed with the cutaway at the end. See, I here's the thing. I mean, he already brutalizes the guy. And, and you know, Dean, to your point of show, like, sort of, he should have had the upper hand. And he would have, I think, if he didn't have a gaping hole in his yeah. leg, you know, and, and, and whatnot. Um, clearly, he's in pain and everything. And, and he's doing his best. But he's also fighting a chainsaw and everything. I like how we get to see him use the throwing star that's sort of on his helmet. Um, he uses that for, for a thing, you know. But, yeah, there is this, like, a uh, piece of log with a buzzsaw on them, you know, going to cut it in half type of thing. And I like how he stabs Limehouse to make him stick to the log. I, I like that. And, you know, turns the machine on. Limehouse is going towards it. Limehouse is praying for death. He's saying, kill me, kill me, because yeah. he knows that this is going to be excruciating, and it probably will. And then we don't see it, but a part of me is like, well, but my brain can fill in the blanks, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I do wish we saw blood maybe spraying because we see like shadows, you know, we see sort of the shadow, hear him scream and everything. Um, I feel like you could have done some little things to make that work better. Um, and I, and I don't need a lot. I don't need it to be so grotesque that, that like, you know, something that Tom Savini would do or something. I don't, I don't need that, but I do, I'm with you. I do need something more because of the horrible things that we saw Limehouse do. We saw him shoot innocent people in the Italian diner. We saw him beat and burn an innocent old man. We saw him punch, rape and kill show's wife. I did need something more, even if it was just the shadow where you could tell it was a person going through the buzzsaw and there was blood, but it was kind of like, it's kind of like a nondescript shadow. Like if, if you're going to go the shadow route, it has to look exactly like Limehouse and, and you know what I mean? Like it has to be that, but yeah, it's just, and as much as my brain was like, no, no, we can make this cool. At the end of the day, I'm like, it still feels not as satisfying as it could. The log he's riding on is larger than the buzzsaw blade. So it, I noticed in my that mind, too. like he easily could have survived this as well, because if that cuts yeah. the log in half, I can see him sort of like rolling to the side, 
Hey, still being stuck to it, but like the blade wasn't even going towards, it wasn't going to like hit his body. It was going to hit this log and for him to die, this log is going to have to split in half and he's going to have to fall down. But by the time the log splits in half, it's going to have to cut through more than half of it probably. And by that time, his body's almost going to be past it. So I wasn't even satisfied that he got killed by this thing pin him yeah. down without the log pin him down and show us that he's on the same level as the buzzsaw that would work even a little bit better but this was kind of like a big miss for me this uh, final kill here and yeah. having watched so many movies of this ilk from this era i could also see them going the route where like he pulls his hands up kind of breaks free you know oh you know adrenaline and then goes after show and then show sort of sidesteps him and he flies over a railing, which is literally my least favorite death in a movie (laughs) is someone flying over the rail. I hate that death. So it's so boring, but here at least again, it's, it has to be in your head, but here at least show made it happen. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't one of those things where he accidentally falls to his death, like, you know, or his brother type of thing where show actively gave him a horrible death to make him, you know, pray for death. And, you know, because we have to just accept that that is what happened, even if we didn't see it. So I take I still take that into account. And, yeah, it's instead of having, you know, a whole point of awesomeness, it's, you know, it's it's point twenty five percent of it. You know, it's just it's yeah. not quite. There. It works because that's the callback, yeah. right? Because he already warned this guy. He's like, if you don't leave the family alone, you're going to pray for death. So it works at the end that they do that. But I think we're yeah. all on the same page. Just show us him getting this blade in the head. But yeah. yeah. It's a tough situation because they have to set up this situation where he will pray for yeah. death, but they don't really have the budget to show exactly, us that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know? it's, it's fine, though. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but then we see Sho lay flowers at his wife's grave. He tells her that she can now rest in peace. He tells the boys that if they stay close to her, they'll never get lonely, so they won't be going back to Japan. The, there's a police detective who we haven't really talked about, but he's in the movie. Um he asks show about these killings. He says they were gangland style and it uh, actually is going to save them a lot of police work. And then he says, rumor has it that it could have been a ninja. And he asks show if ninja still exist. Show says, of course not. One of his kids says that this detective has probably been watching too many movies. The detective says, If he does run across the ninja, he should tell him the police don't want to see him around anymore. And he tosses him a throwing star, walks off, and the end. I mean, like, throwing star or a Joker card? I mean, Christopher (laughs) Nolan. Like, this this is the end of Batman Begins. The fact that, you know, Gordon, this is Gordon. This guy is, you know, Jim Gordon. It's crazy. I... I actually kind of like that. I I can see this kind of going in a direction where Sho Kasugi becomes like Batman of downtown Houston, you know, Texas. Like it's it's interesting, and I like I like where it sort of mentally leads me, you know. But it doesn't, you know, we we don't get any more. This is it. But yeah, I, I like all these Nolan ties though, because his thing is also to kill the wife. Like that's also yeah. Nolan's thing. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if he likes this movie. If he's seen this movie. Um, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's a it's a good end I, I i like the end um except for you know when he tells his wife that she can now rest easy it's like she could be alive if you just would have stepped up earlier guy she could be alive <laughs> dean has lots of problems with the i have so shows. many problems <laughs> fucking kill this guy when you got him on the boat <laughs> All right, well, that's going to take us to our ninja rating system time. Uh, This is what we've been enjoying to do with these ninja movies, is we're going to rate them, put them through our ratings grinder, and see if it gets uh, spit out on the other side. So before we do that, I've had it beside me the whole time here, but I haven't been able to pull it out yet. But I'm going to bless this ratings with our talking back ninja sword that Corey's going to get to feast his eyes on because he's a guest. I was waiting for this, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth waiting for. Sometimes the batteries cut in and out, and it works or it doesn't work. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. I love it. What if Show used this to kill Limehouse at the end? That would have been good. 10 out of 10 in weapons, for sure. (laughs) It would have been an amazing feat if he was able to kill anybody with this sword. Exactly, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, first up, weapons and tools. Do we get swords, throwing stars, knives? Are they using bombs? Are they using poison? Do they use ropes, grappling hooks, etc.? Maybe something we've never seen before. So, I'm going to go first on this one. A category... I'm the most generous in. So we get swords. We get throwing stars. There's a staff with a blade. There's a torch, which was new for me. There's guns. There's knives. There's a blowtorch. Sho uses his hands as weapons in that one scene where he just doesn't have any weapons available. I thought that was cool. He's got his, his helmet. He's got arrows. The kid's bike was incredible. That lawn dart projectile I loved. That really cool sun projectile. Limehouse is running around with an axe. There's a chainsaw. There's a wood splitter. This had more than enough. This was an easy 10 for me. So, Corey, why don't you go next? Yeah, you even have, uh, you know, the powder to blind people with. Um, you had throwing your sword, although I wasn't quite sure if I should count the stuff at the beginning, you know, the, the TV show or the movie. You yeah, know, yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, but I did like that. I always like when you throw your sword at somebody and then, you you know, you pull it out of their dead body or whatever. Um, but I will say that I did miss the the chain stuff like I like the the when there's like the sickle on the chain um and I've I've listened to all of y'all's episodes and I I forgot what that movie was called but the one person had like the wires and stuff hidden under their their you know gi or whatever um so there were still some things it's like this had so much but it had it was missing some things that I still wanted to see, and so you got a you got a giant saw blade in this. You said chainsaw. You got sickles. You got axes and shovels and stuff. But I still had a few ninja things that I wanted, mostly on chain stuff. And so I'm gonna give this one an eight out of a ten. Okay, Dean. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be the uh, highest scoring category for me for sure in this one. Um, it was it was a great category. Um, you, you guys mentioned all, all the stuff, um, but just to bring up again, that sort of 
five prong weapon or whatever that thing is that pins, you know, pins the big boss to the wall. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what's going on there. That's a big up for me. I've never seen that thing before. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was really fun to see it at the end. Uh, this was struggling a bit, uh, you know, for most of the movie, but then <laughs> there's a lot of weapons that get pulled out at the end here. So the score keeps going up and up for me. Uh, I am still with Corey. There's some stuff I'm missing. There's some stuff I want. I think for me, it's mostly on the tools end. Like there's not a lot of, uh, he was infiltrating a lot of things and I wanted a little bit more use of stuff to be like the way he, that he got there. You know, there's even a part where, you know, he's got to get through a padlock and he just punches the door open and it's like, oh, like a tool there would have been great if he could have done something, some like little tool there. Um, um, so I am at a nine out of 10 for weapons and tools. Okay. Now tactics, Dean, why don't you uh, go with tactics here? Okay. Tactics actually is the, one of the hardest ones for me for this movie. Um, because as we've talked, the ninja isn't always the one doing the best tactics. So it, it is this other guy in the movie. There's a, the limehouse who's doing a lot of interesting tactics. Like I think, cutting his own his himself to get into the hospital that's quite the move like he need, he knows he wants to go in there he knows the kid and the wife are in the hospital because he ordered to be to hit them with a car so he knows they're there so he needs to get in there so he cuts himself that's just a really interesting thing for him to do um he's doing costume changes there is stuff for show as as tactics you know he's in, infiltrating um the boat um he is he is doing uh, he is doing stuff, you know, that is that is ninja like with his in the shadows, kicking out the light, all that stuff. But one of the things in tactics is being ninja. And for 80 percent of the movie, I'm screaming at him to be a ninja. So that is what kind of brings it down for me a bit. So I'm actually right in the middle on tactics. I'm giving it a five. Ouchie. Um, I didn't get to say actually what the category is, so I'll just read that here before Corey can go. Uh, tactics are they being ninja are they using stealth is there infiltration are they burning castles down or stealing documents are they trying to assassinate someone are they camouflaging themselves in trees are they hiding in plain sight so Corey, go ahead with tactics yeah i think tactics for me is probably the low well no no i'll take it back locations anyways um <laughs> it's one of the lower ones for me in this movie um yeah it's just again at this point you guys have seen more ninja movies than me, and I've listened to the ninja movies that you've seen, and this just lacks so many tactics. Although I will add one that Dean didn't really mention. Um, what about the him doing the, the detective work to figure out that the uh, the person who stole the gems was like left-handed and preferred like gray suits? Um, I thought that was kind of cool, like having him do like that little bit of police work. But for the most part. He's not really hiding. When he becomes a ninja, he's just coming straight at them. When he attacks like Newman's, the 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 big bad's place, but you know not the main bad. Um, he's just coming straight at them, and there's no ninjiness at all. Even at one point, that one guy's like, "What's going on in the backyard?" Like something's. I can see it happen. I can see a. Is that a ninja running through my backyard? Like there's. I don't know. I I felt that this was a very weak showing as far as tactics go whereas the point where limehouse had better tactics than show so and i don't think we're really considering his tactics we're trying to consider the ninja's tactics so i'm giving this one a three okay well i was considering limehouse's tactics um 
you know, it's the, it's the tactics that we're seeing in the movie. So I'm, I'm higher than you guys here. Like I really liked show jump, kicking the light, escaping in the shadows. That was cool. Um, I liked show. Yeah. Using that throwing star on his helmet to shut down the wood splitter so that he could get off. I thought that was really cool. I didn't know if that, or I should say up until that point, I thought that throwing star on his helmet was just decorative. So to see him use that, like that's a great tactic. You've got this almost like a last ditch effort weapon that you can use to save yourself. And he did, he used it to save himself. I thought that was very cool. Show infiltrating the bad guy's ship. Great job. Show infiltrates the bad guy's mansion. Like that. I like that as well. But is that really infiltrate or is that a straight on attack? Uh, yeah, I guess that's more of a straight on attack. Sure. But, but even, so is that your, is that my tactic? My tactic is attack. That's an, that's a a tactic, like get suited up and just go full, full on in. Sure. Um, yeah, his knife with dust was also really good. Then we get to the bad guy. I actually liked that they were using this abandoned building, uh, without anybody knowing, like they're using it for drops. I thought that's a good idea. They kidnap the son in an attempt to get some answers. So the kidnapping is a good tactic. The whole mentality of the bad guys of leave no witnesses. I think that's a strong tactic. Like if you want to stay safe and not get caught, you can't leave any witnesses. So this is, I'm chalking this up to tactics as well. Limehouse pretending to be the doctor, him dressing up as the police officer. Uh, I thought there was a lot in here. It's not all traditional tactics, but the movie gave us tactics. So I'm going with a seven on this one. And, can I amend mine? Because I didn't take Limehouse into consideration. I kind of was like looking at it as just ninja tactics. So with taking Limehouse into consideration with his, what he did there and everything, I'm going to give that two more points. I want to bring mine up to a five. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll do that. We also allow changing of the scores, (laughs) (laughs) which happens. It does. It does happen. So fighting and kills, what do the fight scenes look like? Are they well choreographed? How cool are the moves? Are limbs being lost? Are heads popping off? Do we like the kills? Do they get a reaction out of us? Uh, Corey, go ahead. Yeah, we get a lot of throwing stars to the forehead. Um, we get uh, at the, when he's fighting the, at the, all the goons at Newman's house, we get a lot of like slicing multiple throats at the same time. Uh, we get a lot of like, you know, arrows and stuff like that. It's never too gory, uh, but we do get some blood. There is some, some decent blood in it. There's a uh, one guy who gets, you know, crashes and blown up and like actually burns in the car and stuff like that. Um, I found, a lot of the fighting and a lot of the kills to be very satisfying. Although more of like him versus his brother at the beginning where it's kind of like one-on-one and the kind of like, you know, hit slice block hit, you know, type of thing. You only see that there. And I wish we kind of saw more of that sort of ninja ninja versus ninja fight, but this movie's not about ninja versus ninja. Um, It's about, you know, ninja versus like a really hardcore goon. And I think, you know, you got versus a chainsaw. I had I had a fun time throughout the entire thing. But again, it's not perfect. I'm going to give this one 7 out of 10. Okay. And I would have liked to have seen a bit more gore because this is also kills. I would have liked to have seen maybe a couple heads coming off. Maybe a couple like the guys who gets their throat sliced actually have their throat sliced. You know, hey, 
budget-wise, we get it. You know, they kind of fall back and they're like, eh, and you know, they're a stuntman, eh. But like, I, I, I would like to have seen like a hand come off. I would like to have seen a head come off here and there, especially since, again, Limehouse was so brutal to his wife that I, I, I think the movie could have called to have a couple of the goons get dismembered. Yep, would have helped, yep. Uh, yeah, um, for me, you know, fighting, no limbs, no heads, not very gory. Um, that can be okay, but that, that's definitely got to knock it down some points. Uh, but the, I guess just the fights having no stakes for me at all, whenever he's fighting anybody that's just like a goon in America, I just like, didn't feel like there's ever any fight back. I was never worried about it. So there wasn't a lot of tension for me in the fights. I thought that show was definitely doing some cool moves. He was doing some cool flips. There was cool choreography on his end, but I think just for me to give it a little bit of a higher rating, I I wanted to be a little bit more invested when the fight started to happen. I was a little bit more like, okay, like I just kind of waiting for this to end, not really looking for how cool it would be. Uh, so again, here I'm just a five kind of right down the middle. Okay. I enjoyed the fighting. Um, you've got a movie with no special effects, no wires, but I was never bored by it. Uh, I thought the choreography was really well done. Yeah, there's no heads popping off. There's no blood. It's not that type of movie. Uh, Corey mentioned that show does slice two necks at one time, and he does that a couple of times. I, I enjoyed that. He shoots an arrow through a guy's neck. That was very nice. He throwing stars a guy in the head. He gets one guy in the eye. He gets another guy in the neck. So this is all stuff I'm happy with. Lots of projectile kills overall, actually. Uh, he chokes a guy. Now, the blowing up of Mr. Green was impressive. This is a good kill. The brutal kill of the wife, like while I didn't like it, it absolutely got a reaction out of me. Yeah. Like you got to give points for this kill. It's a, it's a gruesome kill. Um, but yeah, the movie was lacking a bit overall for me. I definitely need more out of Limehouse's death. Um, I need to see that piece of shit get cut up by that tree splitter. Uh, that would have pushed it really high for me, but I am higher than you guys. I've got a seven. Oh, that was mine. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. I'm the same as you then, Corey. Seven. Yeah, I mean, I think we lost an entire... I think all of us lost an entire point in this category for not seeing Limehouse's death. Yeah, I would have given that... I would have given two points yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. That would have pushed it really high for me. Yeah. yeah. Now, settings and locations. What's the aesthetic of the movie? We love seeing fights in fields and forests, deserts and water. Now... Yeah, I, I know this one, you know, on the surface might be problematic with this category, but we do get a forest, we get a dojo, we're at a temple, we're at the docks, we're on a huge yacht, we're at a mansion, we're at a police station, we're at a restaurant, we're at a mannequin warehouse. Uh, they did a little bit of environmental use in this in the uh, setting, so that was that was okay. Basically, where I'm at is that overall, I thought they did a much better job than they needed to in this movie. And my problem is that we always felt like we were in the city, but for a movie that was in the city, we went to several different places. So I'm not going to knock it for not being like by the water or on a mountain because the movie took place in a city. So for me, what, what did the in city locations look like? 
and they they took us to a lot. So uh, I've got an eight for settings and location. That's uh, I. Fi- Dean is making a, a face at me, so I want him to go next. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a big gap between ours here, Tim. Um, yeah, what it comes down to to me is uh, for settings and locations. I never felt like I was in that location. I never felt like it was different. I knew we were at a different spot, but I didn't feel like it was a different spot. So the things that stick out to me are in the forest at the beginning. I did like that we started there. The boat, the boat infiltration did feel like it was something else. It did feel like it was a different uh, place than we were at. And then um, I did like the mannequin at the end. I, I really liked getting into that type of warehousey thing, but there was extra things there for me. Um, everything else to me, even though we were in a different building, felt to me like we were in the same place. Uh, I just felt like it was a very similar type thing. Maybe there was something that they could have done for me uh, that would have highlighted that different area that we were in. Um, so yeah, I actually had a very low score for this time. I have three in locations. Okay. Corey, what about you? I'm a bit more on Dean's side of things. Um, I mean, I want, I don't know if you guys ever played like Samurai Showdown back in the day, but I want like, you know, the, the cherry blossoms. I want the fight in, in the cherry blossoms place. I want the fight under a waterfall, you know, and I know you're like, well, that's, expectation versus reality that's not what this movie's about this movie's about a a japanese family who moves to america houston texas and has to deal with you know this problem that arises and again and it is supposed to be more akin to death wish um, or vigilante or something like these exploitation films than it is supposed to be i think a ninja movie but what i want from a ninja movie this doesn't have. I want there to be these beautiful locations in Japan that, you know, are, are, are mystical to me that I've never seen before. And like Dean said, it's like, I get it. I'm, I'm in a restaurant. Yeah, that's a different location. But I still feel like I'm just in this city here and everything. And they just feel like locations in the city. Now, the mannequin uh, warehouse place was awesome. That was legitimately hands down awesome. Everything else you could see in any other movie from this era. I mean, I think even Ninja 3 The Domination had better locations than this one. And that was also a movie that took place like in a city, you know, and and they did. I think they did more interesting things in that one than they did here. So, Dean, I'm closer to you and I'm this doesn't mean I dislike the movie, but I'm at a two out of 10 for locations here. But again, that's, that's expectation of what I want versus what this movie is. And it, sometimes it's not fair to judge a movie like that on what your expectations are, but that's also the reality of how we feel about things. And I was unimpressed with most of the locations in this movie. Well, you guys have convinced me to move mine down to a seven instead of an eight. That's as far as I'm going. Uh, I think this is maybe a different outlook on the on what the category is because I mean it is something we talked about, like especially in the case of the movie Ninja. Like it, this is a more modern Ninja was a more modern day movie that takes place in the city, so we can't just give it a zero because we're not at any of these cool locations that we want to go to. You have to sort of consider where this movie is presenting itself. 
right? right? And this is a movie that presents itself in the city. So what is it doing with that? Right. Uh, so there, there is no possible way for it to get a 10 out of 10 because it is missing those classic locations that we want. But at the same time, I'm not knocking it for like not taking us to beautiful locations because it wasn't... Well, then in that regard, that I've, seen, I've seen other movies where... Where I that have taken place in the city, like you know, Vice Squad, and you know, some from the same time frame, and even like a different genre, but it takes place in the city, and they had better locations than this one, you know, like so. If you're gonna still take place in the city, then then you can still give me something cool, but I was still unimpressed with the locations they showed us in the city. Yeah, for me, it was quantity over quality. They okay. took us to so many places. That they just didn't even have to do that. Okay. So it, it stood out for me that they were trying. And I never I never really felt like I was in the same location twice, if that makes sense. Like, I always felt like yeah. we were moving around. Um, they didn't look all that great, you know, because they are what they are. But, yeah, I never kind of, like, for a movie that just stuck in the city, I didn't feel stuck in the city. So that's why I'm giving it a higher mark. But I understand where you guys are coming from. This movie needed a fight in the sewers. Like a ninja fight in the sewers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, fun factor. Did we have fun with the movie? Would we watch it again? Would we buy the Blu-ray? Did it go fast or was it a slow drag? Corey, why don't you kick off uh, our fun factor category? Yeah, I I own the Blu-ray. <laughs> I very much enjoy this movie. Um, you know, all the things that we've said, even even with the negative marks with locations and stuff, I don't think for me personally, it takes anything away from this film. Um, it's for me, it's a very unique movie. Like we've said before, it's like death. Uh, I even said death proof. Death wish meets you know a ninja movie. It, it's like this exploitation revenge film, but with ninjas or with a ninja, you know. And I think that's really cool. And I really like Shokasugi in this movie. I felt connected to him. I felt connected to his kids. I felt connected to his wife. And I. You know, as much as we say how how horrible the villain was, I still enjoy that. Like I enjoy all the places they went to with the villain. You know, I think that was really cool. I had a great time with this movie. All at this point, I've seen this movie three times in my adult life, um, and I've enjoyed it every single time. And I do enjoy this movie, and I would recommend it to people. I give this one eight out of ten. Okay, Dean, what do you got? All right, this is another one that might make uh, <laughs> might make some other hosts on this show upset. Um, do it, Dean. I, do it. There's definitely things that I like about the movie. Uh, like we've kind of talked about, there's a uh, there's kind of two tones going on. There's a tone that is uh, you know a little bit more fun. Um, I'm enjoying that type of thing. Then there's a tone that is a little bit more darker. And there are things about that dark tone that I enjoy too, especially. Uh, juxtaposed with that light tone sometimes it really worked like that fight with the kid and then you know Limehouse punching the kid in the face that worked right up against each other Um, but for me it's just kind of the entire revenge story in general I am a fan of revenge stories they work a little better for me when the person getting revenge is just sort of a regular person doesn't have these extreme talents because the whole like I said the whole movie I'm yelling at this guy to use his talent to just end this his wife does not have to be 
dead at the end of this if he just gets into gear a little bit faster. And uh, so if they build that story a bit more for me, I'm more in in line with that. Uh, kind of like a, uh, you know, Marco and Saga thing. We know that that character is like a pacifist. We know he doesn't want to fight, so he can have this extreme power. He's just never going to turn it on. And I just... I. I know it's supposed to be there with this character, but I never felt it. I never felt it from his character that he was really struggling with not wanting to fight back. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say overall, I disliked scenes more than I liked scenes. So I'm at a four out of 10. Okay. Dean, you did not enjoy this movie. <laughs> Dean, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, it's, it's fine. I love watching movies. <laughs> but as the person who suggested it, I still, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'd watch it again. Um, I'd probably buy it if I came across a good deal. Sounds like you got a good deal on a Corey. That's, I would definitely pick it up for that price. Uh, I definitely want to see it in HD. I watched it on YouTube and I think the HD would uh, be a nice boost for me. Um, I liked that this movie wasn't afraid to go for it with the violence and the killing and Limehouse's character. I find that so many movies will just try to play it safe you know they won't they won't run over a child and a wife with a car um and that's fine but to be honest with you i i kind of found it refreshing to see the lengths that this movie decided to go to to make their bad guy so bad and to make you hate him so much and that just really worked for me um i just enjoyed watching all that um yeah so i had a good time with it uh, i think it's worthy of a 7 Nice. Okay. Okay. So my total is a 38. Dean's total is a 26. Corey's total is a 30. Okay. For a total of 74, which 74, I mean, that's like, you know, that's pretty respectable. Solid. Three out of four. Yep. Um, that does put it actually puts it in a three-way tie, uh, which I didn't even think we'd get a tie, but we have a three-way tie. That is tied at number eight with our Patreon-exclusive Jack versus the Ninja and our other Patreon-exclusive TMNT The Real World Part 1. That's 74. So number one, Duel to the Death, 100. Number two, Shinobi Heart Under Blade, 96. Number three, Ninja Scroll at 92. Number four, Mark of the Ninja with 84. That was also a Patreon exclusive. Number five, Batman Ninja, 83. Number six, Ninja, 78. Number seven, Ninja Terminator, 77. Then the three-way tie I just mentioned. Then at nine, Ninja 3 The Domination at 66. 10, Beverly Hills Ninja at 56. 11, American Ninja 2. The confrontation at forty-three. Now, a lot. So I said at the beginning of this episode that the reason I even bought the Blu-ray not <laughs> because it was eight dollars, and because people considered this to be one of the better movies, ninja movies of this era. Now, this whole year of what you guys been doing of covering ninja movies, at this point, you all are are better judges of ninja, ninja movies. I'll take your opinion over anyone else at this point. And I know you've re, you know reviewed some newer stuff and everything, but do you do you think that this movie deserves 
the accolades that it gets for the movies of this era. And I guess, Dean, I know you're on the lower end of things, but when you compare it to ninja movies of the 80s, how does this one sort of land in that regard? Yeah, I'd say it's in the middle. I'd say it's better than some we've covered, and it, and it's not as good as, as some others. So uh, th- in my opinion, I would say it's right down the middle. It is one where after I watched it and I went on to like Letterboxd, I was a little surprised that the rating was so high. So I was surprised that it is like one of these uh, movies that, that people say, you know, is, is, is one of the best ninja movies of the 80s. I would put it kind of just like in, in the middle. It's got stuff there that is better than others, but for me, it did, wasn't quite as, as tight. I feel like people who who say it is the, one of the better ninja movies of the 80s are probably people who didn't watch a lot of ninja movies from the 80s. And I didn't. I didn't. And I very much enjoyed this movie. Uh, Tim, what about you, man? What are, like, And I know you and I are the same age and everything. And I know we kind of bypassed, you know, passed over this as kids. But like, how did, you know, but we also lived through movies of this era and everything. Like, how does this hold up in, in sort of regard to that? Yeah, I mean, my rating you know, says it all. I, I liked it. I think, I think why this is probably uh, a beloved movie is because it's unique because it's not like the movies of that time. It's, it's something different. It's like this almost like a weird blip in that category. Uh, I haven't really seen anything like this where they take the swings that they do. So for that reason, I liked it. I thought it was a refreshing entry to watch. Um, I think it kind of like, I think where it's sitting 74, I think that's kind of pretty good i think that's probably where it belongs like maybe a 7.5 out of 10 for this genre for this time i think that's pretty pretty good yeah agreed and and honestly at the end of the day i would probably watch ninja 3 the domination over this again i mean i'll still watch this again but man ninja 3 the domination is just so much fun they're totally different movies right apples and oranges that that movie is way more fun than this movie but this movie is way grittier than that yeah. movie. So it's like, it's it's apples and oranges. What do you feel like watching that night? Yeah, yeah, totally. But uh, Corey, uh, awesome. Thank you for recommending that. That was, um, it's a fun, it was a fun one to watch. Even though Dean didn't like it as much as we did, uh, I think Dean will probably be the first to tell you that he liked that more than some of the other ones that we've watched. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, Corey, why don't you uh, tell everybody where they can find you out in the podcast world? Oh, you know what? No, you guys can find me on Podcast After Dark. I'm going to plug the Talking Back Patreon. Guys and gals, <laughs> Yeah, I love the Talking Back Patreon. I've been a member for a while now, and they review, not only do they review more ninja movies and more ninja things, they also review uh, more modern uh, films, you know, like newer movies and stuff like that, and James Bond films, things like that. So... If you're listening to this right now, I implore you to go check out the Patreon page for Talking Back. They have so much awesome things going on. I am happily a Patreon member. And yeah, that's that's it, man. You guys are producing fantastic content, and I just want more and more people to be listening to it. Thanks, buddy. We Thank appreciate you, that. You did my job for me, so I'll plug your Patreon. <laughs> uh, everybody head on over to uh, Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. They uh, have a monthly wrap-up episode. They're walking through John Carpenter's catalog. Uh, Such a cool idea. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a fan of John Carpenter. Just, you know, one of the all-time great directors has, you know, some of the greatest movies out there. So uh, check that out. And uh, you can get all this content from both of our Patreons for like five bucks a month. So uh, it's a cheap way to help support us, but... 
it really goes a long way to to helping us out. Um, you know, you might think it's only a couple bucks, but it can all add up for us. So uh, we appreciate the support. And a free way to help out Podcast After Dark, Talking Back, Return Revenge, Resurrection, a free way to help out any podcast that you listen to is just leave them a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, whatever allows you to leave a five-star review. Trust me, those go a long way in getting new listeners in front of you know your favorite podcast. So whichever podcast you love, just leave them a five-star review. It takes two seconds. It's... And... and what it does is immense. And tell your friends about us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, thanks again, man. It's always a blast when you come. We're looking forward to the next time you stop by. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Dean, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs>